We're rolling. Welcome to the House Dudes Podcast, where we invite you to follow us on our journey towards financial freedom using the power of real estate. I'm Jack Haas. And I'm Josh Koth. Here at House Dudes, we believe in a couple key principles. Number one, the best way to retain information is by teaching it to others. And number two, a rising tide lifts all boats. We're not competitors, we're a community. So let's get into some real estate investing. This episode is brought to you by Yellow Letter HQ. Head over to bit.ly slash yellow letter HD for fast, affordable, direct to seller marketing. Tired of real estate marketing campaigns that don't get results? Yellow Letter HQ is one of the most competitive direct mail campaigns that can save your budget and your sanity. They deliver a fast campaign turnaround that gets your phone ringing. Check out their services at bit.ly slash yellow letter HD. So we are, we have Preston Dahl on the phone here today and thanks so much, Preston. And this is going to be a little different than we normally do because what I thought is kind of cool in this situation is that uh, Preston is a local guy. Um, well, pretty local. He's about an hour and a half or so from us in Grand Forks, North Dakota, does fix and flipping and some other real estate investing. Um, but you also have had an experience none of us have really had. We've only seen you th- seen it through uh, a pain in, in our living room. So sure. why, don't we, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit, Preston, and, and uh, expound on what I'm talking about. Yeah, sure. So, uh, like you said, my name is Preston Dahl. I'm in uh, just about an hour north of them. And um, about, gosh, was it two and a half years ago, I, I bought what was going to be my first rental, that we were going to live in the house, and then we were going to rent the house out. And I was in a conundrum, and I went on a website called Bigger Pockets, which some of you may know about that. And, you know, really how every business leader I hear talks about delegating to grow your business and that um, that you need to be working on your business not in your business and so I was on bigger pockets and just jumped on and just said hey is anybody out there actually putting a tool belt on and doing their own work and it was kind of a long debate and really good debate ended up talking I got a call from uh, someone they're like hey we're a producer out in New York and we want to do a TV show on you. And we want to, you know, go put you through this interview process. And I thought it was a scam. I didn't really, I don't know if I hung up at first. or I'm not sure what happened. Um, but eventually it wasn't a scam. And, you know, about a month later, I had a TV crew out at our house and just kind of talking through the show. And it was, uh, and then began that, that whole journey. So. Sure. So what was the name of the show again? Uh, so it's on D it's on the DIY network and the show is called first time flippers sure. and our show, I believe our, our episode, we, so we were just an episode. It wasn't like a whole season or anything. Um, our episode is on season seven, I believe. And it's called rebuilders remorse. Hmm. So, so, and there must be a, 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 a reason for that title. Oh, for sure. You know, it was, you know, they're always looking for a storyline, but I think they're, they were, they did, they're looking for a storyline, but looking for a, an authentic narrative. Uh, the storyline was, oh, we bought this house and I kind of knew what I was doing and my wife didn't know what she was doing. And the big scary North Dakota winners delayed us. And um, yeah, so that, that was kind of the storyline was 
the remorse of this house and how big of a project it was. So, sure. So let, let's start with what I'm sure everybody is interested in is like, we know we see these type of shows um, all the time and they're very popular. What is, what would you say is the ratio of what we see in the show and reality? Like, yeah, sure. Sure. Um, to be honest, and I don't know that our case was like everyone else's, I would say 80% of it for us was real. And, you know, I think they, there was definitely some potential where they were egging on for opportunities for not bad, just looking for some opportunities for a good clip. But that's just not our nature, I guess. I'm not good at doing anything like that. There was one scene, I don't know if, I, there was one scene that was completely a, a hoax, is the cabinet one where we, we had already purchased our cabinets, installed our cabinets, and it was actually the very last shooting that we did where we went in town and like, it was basically acting, like fake, you know, bought these cabinets and had a debate about which ones. And so really that's the only scene that was hoaxed. But I mean, that whole scene was like, it was basically acting at that point. So, yeah. Yeah. Another thing that I've always wondered too, is that when I've been watching some of those shows, I, I haven't watched this first time flippers, uh, uh, TV show other than seeing some clips from from your episode um, it's always seems like the numbers are just not like I don't know how they managed to rehab that house for that amount or yeah. the numbers just seem sure. way off so um, would you say that in your case the numbers were pretty accurate the way it was represented you know they I would say yes in our case they gave us an you know and, and that, that's kind of the way the show was built to they, I mean, they were, which was fine. They were poking fun at every, if you watch the episode, they're poking fun at everybody, like, aha, they thought this was the budget. And then, then this was what was actually the budget. Um, and then they'd cross it out and this was what the real budget was. Um, you know, and this is just my personal opinion. And, you know, I wonder if it's not so much the producers as the people that, cause they didn't check. They just simply asked what our numbers were. And I think, you know, human nature, people get on and, touted a little bit better than what it really is so i wouldn't really you know if it seems you know because i've seen them too where they seem fabricated i i'd put that more on the people that are on the tv show than the actual producers sometimes but i don't know that's just my my input sure so for the most part it sounds like the the experience was relatively positive have you seen that being on the show has helped you locally, like regarding your marketing sure. or anything like that. Sure. Like what what yeah. were some of the it, benefits? It has for the first year, I would say um, it definitely, it got some buzz and, and I don't think, you know, just being from a smaller town, people were like what you were on TV or, you know, just didn't grasp that. Like they have to find someone to do these shows and sometimes they happen to be in our city. So yeah, I mean, it was, um, it was a really, it was a positive experience. And I, to date, I could probably do a little bit better job marketing that. But when I do direct mailers and different things, I always kind of reference that episode and reference that. Um, I wish it was free online because I think what prevents people from actually watching it is having to go on Amazon and pay the four bucks or five bucks or whatever. But 
I think it kind of helps me build authority of like, Hey, I've done this before. And these people recognize me as that. So it's, it's definitely helped for sure. Sure. That's interesting that you and you included in, in your marketing. Um, so do you send that out like a link to it or as seen on first time flippers? How do you, how do you word that? Or how does Yeah, that typically, typically I just do as seen on and then the DIY network, it can get, their website isn't, you know, we were just one episode of in this major network. And so if I send people to the website, it can get kind of buried. And unfortunately, there's not really any pictures on the website either. Um, so I just kind of do as seen on and I think people get the point. And, you know, I, to be honest, I, I don't think anybody watched it other than us and our family and a couple other <laughs> random people. So <laughs> But it adds to the credibility, right? Whether they watch it or not. It's, For sure. Absolutely. It's like when you walk into a, into Menards and see, uh, as seen on TV, their whole section. Yeah, For some absolutely. weird reason, I, I still stop and look at that stuff, and I, I'm never going to buy any of it. But at least absolutely. there's something credibility about that little sticker on there. For sure. And, you know, it was the, it was kind of a business thing second. You know, I thought it would be more for my business in the end. But, you know, and they paid us a couple bucks, not much. But um, it was just, you know, my wife and I did it. And, you know, in 30 years, we're going to look down the road and show our kids and, you know, hey, this was our first flip. And I mean, it's more of that sentimental fun piece, probably more than anything. So did you get any like, you know, I've always wondered this, and, and that might be for some of the bigger shows where, you know, they, uh, some of the sponsors send in like some of the flooring or some of the material or appliances. Did you get it? Did you experience anything like that? No, we didn't. I, you know, I came to find out, I, I think there's a difference between when they hire on and someone to do a season and when they're hiring on someone like us just to do an episode, they had a format and a model. They came out three, you know, they flew out here. So with a whole crew, these people probably make a pretty high hourly wage. And so it was pretty formatted of, I mean, they had that process down in terms of this is what happens. This is what happens. This is what, there wasn't much fluff. They had, I mean, we were just following the formula of how, you know, they crank these things out left and right. So, I mean, we were, there wasn't really any time for that in our scenario. Sure. So did, did you, uh, when you say they had it all formatted out, was it like over weeks at a time that were they following you around or you just like recorded you for a day and then they'd fly out? How, how did that process work? Yeah, there was, there were three total trips. Um, and the first time the big executive producer came out, we met her we did a ton of shooting for about two days with her, two to three days. And we'd switch shirts to show, you know, I think there was, you know, they would kind of be wanted to be flexible with different scenes in terms of making the storyline, making the timeline fit their storyline. Um, and so the executive producer came out the first time, the second time we were selling cabinets and they just hired someone out of the cities kind of who does this work contract wise. And then the third time, uh, was the the assistant executive producer who came out and kind of did the final shots. And there were some scenarios where she said, Hey, can you say this? Or um, where they just needed some sound bites and different things to help, help fill. So. Mm. Well, that's interesting. So they, in the end, there was at least one time where they hired a contractor for you and had them, had them install no. the cabinets. No, no, we, we installed them. They, the contract, sorry, the contractor they hired was a videographer. 
Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So rather than send out their, their team of people from New York, it was a, it was a videographer contractor for them to film us. Sure. So, so let's, let's change the subject a little bit. I'm sure people would want to ask you a million other questions and not as many as you think. It's pretty straightforward. I was on really? TV and, and then people never go see it. That's the funny thing. They're like, yeah, I'd love to see it sometime. And it doesn't hurt my feelings. It's just fun. like, well, why would you, you know, it's, it's just like every other TV show that's been out there. Look at these goofy people thinking they're going to make a ton of money. So anyway, right. that's my rant. <laughs> I wouldn't call that a rant. So, you know, now that we're in the situation we are in the whole COVID-19 and, and you obviously are sporting the COVID beard. Yeah. Yeah. I am. You caught me right in the middle of a remodel. I was planning to shower and everything before this, but I, uh, yeah, I am. I'm not fit for television at this point, uh, but here we are. So, <laughs> well, that's one of the things I wanted to chat about a little bit is that you're, you're deep into the weeds doing a lot of this rehab work yourself. Um, you know, a lot of the gurus and people that uh, everybody listens to, it's, it's all about hiring it out and picking out contractors and doing this, doing that, trying to off, offload as much of this work as possible. But you're, you really get your hands dirty. Um, and I, I know you're rehabbing your own home right now or the one that you're probably going to be moving into. Mm-hmm. Talk about your experience there. Is, is, is it real, in your opinion, is it realistic to be hiring out every single aspect of a project? Yeah. Um, man, we could chat about this for a long time, couldn't we? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's, this is a question I, I wrestle with all the time. You know, and, and it's hard not to get a little philosophical. So, for instance, this is how I got into real estate. My wife and I bought our home super traditionally. We didn't overpay. We didn't underpay. We bought at market price through a realtor at a house that didn't need to be rehab. And the mm -hmm. next thing you know, we're tearing down a wall and I'm building kitchen cabinets. And I mean, that's what should have been the TV show. That was the nightmare. And, but I fell in love with carpentry. I fell in love with real estate, you know, and I have a business background and yeah, you know, today I shouldn't be building this wall. I should be hiring it out. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think a really simple but hard question to answer is what do you want? You know, I, there's a level that I enjoy of working hard, sweating and doing something and get my hands dirty. And I think we all get into real estate to accomplish a financial task and a financial goal. But I think we need to enjoy it as we get there. You know, it's like what happened? You climb so hard to get to this mountain. Um, but, you know, what does it look like? to enjoy that. And for me, it looks like buying a house that's got a ton of work to do, having everything out where I could actually hire it out and probably still make a buck, but getting to jump in, in the process where I want to and kind of where, like today, the plumber was here and he needed a couple walls built and I did it because I kind of had the time and I wanted to. And you know, that's probably, if I had a business consultant sit me down and be like, what are you doing, man? You can't be building this wall. And you know what? He's right. Like dollar for dollar. I, it's out negotiating with sellers. I mean, you know, talking with sellers and negotiating a price and putting out offers and filling that sales funnel, which I do still do. But, um, 
yeah, I don't know. It's a question I wrestle with a lot, as you can tell. But it's it's it kind of for me just boils down: what do you want? And at this season in my life, I'm I'm still finding some enjoyment in the rehab, and <laughs> here I am, all sweaty doing it. So yeah, right. Well, I I think you're obviously pointing to something that should be on people uh, the list of things that are important. If you should be focusing on the things that you enjoy doing, versus what you feel obligated to, to uh, have somebody else do it for you. I mean, if this is your passion, maybe it makes more sense if, if you don't like to source the next deal, or maybe that's where you would consider backfilling and getting some help versus mm-hmm. the stuff that you actually enjoy doing and you know you would do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because to do it, you know, once you get in the, I mean, you know, once you catch the real estate bug and you understand its financial power and what it can do, man, you just want to climb that mountain and get there. Um, but I think the person that's going to run the farthest and the longest is the person that has a level of interest and then a level of enjoyment in their business. And, um, so that, and that's it for me. Cause you know, I'll get there. I'll, we'll accomplish the goals of the financial freedom that we want, but, um, you know, I want to enjoy it. I want to enjoy that process and not have to kill myself to get there. So I don't know. And this is what it looks like for me. You know, I, some people like designing. I know people that do 3D programs and build new houses and they don't touch a thing, but man, they've got every stud marked out and every different thing or, um, yeah, it just, I think, I think interest is pretty important. Right. No, I I think there's another benefit that you have over what I would do, what I do too, is the fact that you are deep in the woods when it comes to rehabbing, building a wall. I mean, a lot of this day-to-day stuff, uh, eventually you might start stepping away, but at least now you have a foundation of when you're talking to these contractors, you have a better idea uh, as to how long a project is going to, would typically take a, a good contractor what it might cost, the material they might be using. Having that foundation and, and base for that type of communication is probably pretty valuable. Yeah, absolutely. You know, for example, so I, we're going to replace a lot of windows in this house, and I just got a bid of $8,300 for these windows. And I'm like, you're kidding me. And so I, you know, I looked at it and I broke it down. I knew how much time it was going to take. I knew what the material was going to take. So guess what? I found another bid. That was about half the price. And then there were some creative ways I had to do that. I had to buy my own windows and find kind of a unique person. But yeah, I don't think had I had my background, I'd just been like, oh, okay, I guess windows are 8,000. It's just going to have to take it, you know? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well, let's, let's start, go somewhere else here now. What, you know, you, you went on a show called First Time Flippers, and you've, you've gotten quite a few under your belt now. What kind of advice would you give somebody who's thinking about doing their first flip? So someone who's looking for their first flip project, not a rental, they want to flip a house. Yeah. Um, man, it's funny. The advice I give is not what I did. <laughs> the advice That's I from would experience, give, though. That's exactly yeah, sure. what The advice that I would give is find a paint and carpet rehab. Find a paint and carpet rehab, and if you want to build margin, move into the thing. 
you know, the, the IRS gives, if you live in the house for two years, the IRS gives you, you know, it's a live-in flip. Everybody knows about it. The IRS will give you a two-year tax-free gain. And if you want to build margin and build safety into a flip, that is 100% the best way to go. And I would just say start small, you know, paint and carpet. But again, there's people, and maybe this is what I needed. Next thing I know, there's a wall down and I'm putting a load-bearing beam in that I have no idea what I'm doing and building cabinets and, um, you know, jumping off the deep end, which, man, that caused a lot of stress <laughs> in, mm-hmm. my, in my marriage and personal life and everything. But, man, I was like drinking through the fire hose for sure. So Sure. Well, how are you finding your deals right now? Like the, the houses that you've been sourcing, what, what, with everything going on right now, are you still doing direct mail? Are you, how are you finding sure. these houses? Sure. I, I actually, so I've been finding ever since I started about two, two years ago, a year and a half ago, everything I found has been off market. Um, and, you know, to be honest, that's been everything from, knocking on a door and keeping my ear low to the ground and reaching out to friends to um, we could get pretty sophisticated here and some um, text message technology that's available. And um, you know, just using, you can use data and systems like crazy, but um, just kind of old school talking with people, sending out mailers very specifically to specific neighborhoods. It's just been a mixture, but it's nothing been on market for me. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the reason I ask is because, you know, it, I actually think that um, people seem to be jumping the gun. As far as I'm concerned, I think everybody's kind of still jumping the gun a little bit, thinking that uh, the, the whole COVID-19, um, that there's going to be a ton of, of, there's a ton of opportunities out there. I think it's not until like now where, um, now that it's been three, four months into this, now we're going to start to see some some opportunity and and people struggling as uh um as every as the economy is starting to ramp up a little bit it's going to be those For people sure. that are having a hard time and 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 i hope uh i don't know it's it's we've just had a lot more people reaching out to us through our website all of a sudden okay. and and uh, uh realtors giving us phone calls um, where it had been quiet for the previous three months. Yeah. And, you know, I think it takes a couple months for pain really to settle in, in terms of, you know, the financial pain and stress of what that has probably caused. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. Um, you know, and I, and I think like you, you know, shake your crystal ball, but uh, you know, it's, I want to have all my foundations in place, you know, where, you know, today I, I want to be ready to not have to build this wall and have, um, you know, private, private partners ready to go and, you know, things ready for when, when and if opportunity does arise to help sellers out of a situation too. So, yeah, I don't have a crystal ball, but, you know, I, I, am, I am trying to lay a foundation of preparedness to help as many people as I can for sure. So you're starting to see a little bit of a tick and people responding to your direct mail and different marketing. Yeah. Well, it's just the, um, most of the people that surprisingly enough, most of the people that have contacted us lately have been calling us, um, based on campaigns we did like a year ago. Really? So it's, I don't know if they held on to the postcards or, 
it's that consistent marketing that we we had done in the past but uh but yeah between it's it's likely being found on our website or being found like them just calling a number out of the blue from something they they had like a year ago um that's interesting because you think you it's like that marketing dollar you already forgot about and thought that was you know forgotten about and wasn't doing anything and all of a sudden those seeds you planted a year ago that's yeah just staying in front of them right so it's 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 been uh yeah i wouldn't say we're we're inundated with phone calls but it's enough for us to like okay things are picking up something sure. something's happening here um that we're uh yeah we're we're debating now what's our what's our next approach what what okay. should we be proactively doing at this point? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I'd be interested to hear about what you guys are doing at a later date. Cause yeah. Cause there's a couple different angles of how you could, who do you target? You know, that would be, you know, where do you start? You know? Yeah. Right. I'd be interested to know. Well, I'm, I'm leaning towards right now. I should probably, since it is somebody that a lot of these people that have, uh, been contact we had contacted previously um, most of those people who have called in are in our crm right now so it probably would make sense to either like you said send out a text um, a text blast to everybody or a stealth voicemail or or something sure just to make that little initial contact and, and just stay top of mind with yeah all those people who've who've showed some kind of interest in the past Right. And, you know, it's always a little interesting with our markets up here in the north, too, is like in North Dakota, there's such a seasonality to what we do. I feel I don't I don't know how you feel about the seasonality aspect of, you know, spring and summer. People are ready to get out and sell or whatever. But you think that plays into it or? Well, I think it does a little bit. And then we're you know, I think we're also in a very compressed season now because of of the whole covid thing. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm actually, I don't think, you know, we always talk about, there's like a spring uptick for sales, you know, like get, get it ready for the spring market. Right. I, I don't think we've hit that spring market yet. Yeah, that's true. So, and I don't know when that's, when or if that's going to occur. Is it going to happen in July? Yeah, gonna... when or if, yeah. Huh. That's a good point. So. Just, I'm just really curious as to what everybody else is doing. Yeah, I, I'm pretty, I don't know. I, I feel like I can, I can live and be pretty insulated, but, you know, I am staying respectful of those that don't want to, um, you know, view homes and everything like that. But, yeah, I, I'm actually doing a lot of follow-up and finding a lot of success with follow-up. And, um yeah, I'm still out marketing for deals and people are still out interested in selling. So it's kind of weird. You know, people ask me all the time, well, how's things going? Are you still fine? It's like, I, I am. I, I don't know. It's, you know, I'm not a huge operation either, so I don't need a lot to feed the machine. But yeah, I'm, I'm still finding stuff. So, yeah. so well, money is in the follow-up is what I just yeah, heard for there. Sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, well... Uh, you know, I appreciate, you know, you, we talked for about a half hour. I don't know if I told you this, but that's typically the length that I usually that's probably good. Put, put people through. Um, but if somebody had any questions or wanted to reach out to you or as a follow-up, 
uh, or how if they wanted to work with you, how would they get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. The the main page I have going right now it's on Facebook. So my company, my last name is Dahl D A H L. Uh, so if you find me on Facebook, Dahl House Properties, um, and in the next coming weeks here, maybe this will be some kick in the butt to do it here. Um, dollhouseprop.com will be my website. So, uh, but for now, probably Facebook is the best bet at Dollhouse Properties, and eventually dollhouseproperties.com. So that's a really uh, good play on on your name there. Yeah, it was. I sat and said no to it for about two to three months because it was so stinking cute, but. It's, it's memorable. Like people, as soon as right. I say it to someone, they remember it, which that's the goal. That's the whole point in the thing. And so I can, I can swallow my pride a little bit and uh, <laughs> have a good name. So. so, well, thank you again, Preston. It was great chatting with you and, and yeah, uh, I hope uh, we can do it again sometime soon. Okay. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. We've put a lot of effort into providing useful content, and if you've found value in the show and have any interest in supporting us with a small donation, head over to patreon.com slash housedudes. And if you have any thoughts or questions, shoot us an email at info at housedudes.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at housedudes. And if you like what you're hearing, head over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It really helps other investors out there find the show. And remember... Massive positive impact requires massive positive action. We'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by housedudes.com. Do you have time to actively manage flipping and rentals yourself? If so, go for it. If you live in a market that won't cash flow or don't have the time to do all the work, are you just out of luck? If there was a way to participate more passively, would that appeal to you? I'm sure you have questions about how the process works and what to do next. If that's the case, fill out the form on housedudes.com slash investors, and we'll reach out to see if you are a good fit for our business. This is first come, first serve, and we will have to stop taking applications when our goals are met. See you at housedudes.com slash investors. Tell a man what to do with his money, but if you ain't investing in property, then you're dumber than a dummy. I'm not dumb. I'm smart. Well, buy property. That's my advice. <laughs>